Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest. But first, I'd like you to put something on your calendar for the new year. If your real estate business could benefit from additional investment capital, you definitely want to come out to the Secrets of Successful Syndication hosted by the Real Estate Guys, March 27th, 28th in Dallas. It's the best event of its kind anywhere on the planet, and I have to tell you, I've attended a lot of events. You're definitely going to want to come out to the Secrets of Successful Syndication, March 27th, 28th in Dallas. To find out more, check out victorjm.com slash events. That's victorjm.com slash events. We are back. Today, we have a great guest. He's none other than Mr. George Ross. George was an executive vice president in the Trump Organization for many, many years. He was Donald's right-hand man, and he's the guy that I credit for a lot of the successes in the Trump Organization. He's the author of two best-selling books on real estate and negotiation. He taught at the law school at NYU for over 20 years. And prior to joining the Trump Organization, he worked for Goldman and DiLorenzo in Manhattan, where he did a total of 702 transactions personally over a 10-year period. My conversation with George this weekend, we're talking about how to manage expectations when you're dealing with overwhelm. Enjoy this conversation with George Ross. Great to have you here again, George. It's good to be here. It's the end of the year. It is. It's hard to believe the decade's over. It's for sure. <laughs> you know, this time of year... Want... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. It's... I just said, it's hard to believe how fast it goes. It's incredible. It really is. And yep. this time of year, in fact, uh, a number of us just came back from a week of goal setting. We usually take about three or four days and do some deep work of goal setting on mm-hmm. the beach in Mexico. Um, That's good. <laughs> good place to go set. Yeah, it is actually. It was wonderful. They had a palapa set out at the end of a pier, set up like a wedding, because uh-huh. I guess they had used it for a wedding. But anyway, that was our boardroom for a couple of days, so it was pretty cool. Oh, great. So at this time of year, you know, we take that time to really focus on goal setting. And when I went into 2019, I had a whole bunch of active projects. And several projects came to conclusion, so reduced the number of things that were competing for my attention. But I'm still working harder than ever before. And the net result is that, just for me personally, I have not achieved many of my goals for 2019 across the board. Now, some things have gone well, and you know we've returned a bunch of capital to investors, and we've sold some assets that have performed well, and we've got some projects started, and we've... Mm-hmm. Built a portfolio of vacation rentals, lots of good stuff happening. And as I look at my goals for 2020, I'm now carrying a lot of 2019 goals into 2020. Mm-hmm. And I'm struggling with how to reset expectations for myself, reset expectations with stakeholders when I find myself at a point beyond the original expectations that were set. And my question around this is when you approach expectation setting, when you're already way late, how do you do that? Do you build buffer back into the new forecast? Because that puts you even later on paper than... No, no, no. I, I think, no, buffer back in the forecast is not the whole, the whole thing. I think the most important thing that I can tell you is what I, what I have known as and I, the 80-20 rule, which is inviolate. Mm-hmm. 80-20 rule is the following. 20% of what you do will get you 80% of your income or your growth. So don't concentrate on the uh, on the what's left of the 80%. Concentrate on the 20% because that's going to be the most worthwhile. So if in handling a project, whatever the projects are, you're going to focus on them. Put them in the order of importance. 
so that you're going to concentrate on those which are the most meaningful and the others you don't concentrate on. What I suggest, and I suggest to everybody that's on here, what I used to do, same thing. Make three folders, A, B, C. In A goes everything that's critical that has to be done quickly. In C, put, those, put items which can wait and don't have to be done quickly, and they're less important. And in B, put that which you don't know should be an A or a B, C, because sooner or later it'll be an A or a C. But if you can handle everything that's in your A file on, an, on a good, a quick, and expeditious matter at that point, you will find that you're, ba that you're very, very successful, and you don't have to worry about the, the minor items that you didn't get to. You might not be saying to throw away the C folder, but maybe at least delegate it. Delegate it, right? Or or it can wait. It's not critically important because it's it's not it's not over affect. It's not going to affect you on the long run because it's not that important. But the key is to be able to sort them out into the into what's important. I find most not most people, many people, all they do is they pile it all together and say, "What's let's what came in that this I got to do right away. This came in, this came in, this came in." Without prioritizing, if you don't prioritize, you got a big problem. So you right. have to learn how to prioritize and then, and diligently work on the priority items because that's where your goals are. That's where the money is. That's where you're going to be going to do the best that you have. And don't uh, don't concentrate or even try to concentrate on the items which are least important just because they're annoying. Well, yeah, certainly the, the urgency of something that is at a deadline that may be of lesser importance, the urgency masquerades for importance. That's correct. And what I find, found out in my practice in the, is that what you, what you deem to be an absolute crisis is not a crisis. It's not a crisis, and tomorrow it won't be a crisis either. But it's not a crisis today. But you have to basically prioritize, put the things in order of importance, and focus on that which is going to do the most for you. It sounds easy, but it's not. It's not at all. Absolutely. It's not. But it's a work habit, which, does, which, which is critical if you're handling a lot of matters. So can you think of an example of something that might have at one time made it onto your to-do list that you consciously got rid of? Yeah, that's true. Because what happens when you when the items that are put there, when you decide what's going to go in your A file, find out you have to look at yourself and say, is this something I should be doing or can I properly delegate it? If you can delegate it, delegate it. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. And that immediately says, Well, this is not that important, so I can delegate it. Even if it even if it bombs, it's not critical. But that which is so important, I cannot delegate. So you if that's how you figure out what file it's going to go in. And you say, well, this is fine. That's, I can put it in a C file because I can delegate it. Well, fine, that's the delegate. Let somebody else make it because it's not so important if it doesn't go exactly the way you might want it to go. It is absolutely critical in any business step, but concentrate on that, which is going to give you the most money and the most growth. That makes sense. Yeah, it has all my life. This is how basically when I was in the doing uh, major real estate for multimillionaires and I was working on, on dozens of deals at the same time and I had to be prioritize them. So put, put them in the order so that they were the, the important ones got taken care of right away and the less important ones not. Now, some deals never got made. Big deal. They were not that important. That's why they were in the C file. 
Okay, well, that's okay. That's exactly where I was going to go because I know at one time you were doing a tremendous volume of business. If I remember, yeah. for Saul Goldman, and you were, you know, well, I did at that point. In the in the ten years that I was with him, he went from seventeen properties to seven hundred and twenty in ten years. That's like one a week. Figure out you're going to do you're going to do seven hundred properties, and these are major properties. We're not talking about uh, you know something that's a few dollars. Major properties, so I had to basically prioritize them and do it on almost on an assembly line. And if something went, went whack, take it out of the file. Don't do it. It, it was this is what. Then fortunately, he was not an he was not an anxious buyer. In other words, if it, if it didn't work the way he wanted it to work, forget it. Go on to the next. So that we didn't spend a lot of time trying to make deals that or wouldn't necessarily should be made. And since they were based, they were at the time real estate in New York. They had lots of deals. So it was a question of prioritizing getting the ones done that could be done without too much problem and putting the others on the, on a different wavelength. So if you closed 703, then you probably actually actively worked on, I don't know, a thousand, 1500, maybe more. Yep. 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 And, and, and threw away a whole bunch of them. They say it doesn't fit our pattern, doesn't fit his pattern and it's not worth spending a lot of time on. So I basically concentrated on those which are the most active that could work in a short period of time and would be the most rewarding. But that's, it's easy to say it's hard to do when you're there, you know, because we have a tendency to say, it's easier for me to do it myself than to give it to somebody else. Correct. Well, it's not only that, there's also the question of once you start down a path and it looks like a project is going to work, turning it off at that point um, you're left with questions. Well, if I say no to this now and it's at the 11th hour, uh, is there loss of reputation? Is there? No, that's a loss of reputation. It's a, it's a question of how you handle it. It's not this. You can always say no. Don't ever be afraid to walk out of a deal. You can find lots of reasons to walk. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is somebody on the other side, they may walk out of your deal. And, and what are you going to say? Well, you, you could do, you're, you're embarrassed. You shouldn't do that. That's it. When it comes to, there's money on the table. People will do what's in their best interests. Forget whether or how it looks. Yep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's true. Trust me, it goes for a long period of time. This is how I could do it, and this is how it was very successful. And, uh, very successful when I was with representing Goldman DiLorenzo and also representing major clients to be able to uh, uh, use your time in the most expeditious manner and accomplish that which is most important for you and your client. Not easy. I love that conversation with George. So practical, such common sense. Follow the 80-20 rule and be careful what you say yes to. Don't be afraid to say no. As you think about that, as you're planning your 2020 and the next decade, pay attention to George's wisdom. Have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.